Howdy, folks. This is Who Am I? episode something. Um, today we've got Azteca on, so let's get started. Um, can you tell us your name and what got you interested in coming on the podcast beyond me being desperate for guests? Oh, you're funny. <laughs> Hi, guys. My name is Azteca. I am a blockchain engineer. Um, what got me on this podcast? Rohan asked me, and I think he's cool. So I was like, sure, let's do it. Also, like whenever I find fellow developers, I'm like, yes, let's talk about anything. It just, it's nice. Well, we're a quirky folk, and I feel like there's a lot of like nuanced conversation that you can't really have outside of just IRL with other developers. Yeah, I agree. Like Twitter's great, but you can't really get like a nice nuanced take on Twitter. Yeah, and Twitter spaces are a little dub right now, so I agree. Hi, baby. Now that I've got a script, question two: What do you do for a living? Where are you from? And what are your hobbies? What do I do for a living? When it, where am I from? And what are your hobbies? And what are my hobbies? Uh, my hobbies are... Oh, being cute to Poppy. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um, what I do for a living, I'm a blockchain developer, so I work in the crypto space. Um, I used to do smart contract aud- auditing, but I mostly am doing, um, well, really a lot of integrations right now because not many people are asking for smart contracts. So that's what I do. Hobby-wise, I don't really have hobbies, I see like every part of my of my life as equally as important. So I could tell you like I used to be a ballerina and I like that would be considered a hobby nowadays, but it's a very much part of my practice. It's also a skill set. Yeah, it's a part of my practice like kinesthetic awareness and going to classes and like integrating that into my everyday life is not a hobby for me. It's something that I do. So hobbies ish. I used to be a ballerina. Um I also teach kids how to hook code and yeah, I just, I like to, I don't have hobbies. I just be doing my do life. My li- no, I just do my life and I like think that all, of, all the parts are just yeah. as important. Some of them make money, some of them don't. Yeah, some of them, yeah, and some of them don't. And I guess sometimes I need to like prioritize the ones I do, but all of them. Well, I, I feel like even the ones that don't, like you still learn things from them. No, all of them influence me equally, all of them. So that's why I do them because they influence me. They're not like a pastime. Yeah. I feel like 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 the mentality is full assing everything instead of half assing stuff. Like, yeah, I, I think find that's people a big like one. when you think of a hobby, like sometimes you'll half ass it or like you won't take it seriously because it's not a priority the way that like work or like or like you'll take it like it doesn't have to it doesn't influence all the yeah. parts of you, but like you're not a separate being. You're always yourself in, in in any space. So like the spaces that you might not think are related totally influence the spaces yeah. that you think are not. Well, it's like when I'm cooking something, I don't stop being a developer. Like, I can still apply logic and still apply thinking to like, oh, I burnt something or something's not going right. Yeah. What do I know to swap it out? What can I do to like fix it? Well, yeah. The, same, and like, I think that's why like the intersectionality idea is kind of like blah, because kind of blase. Because you're not intersectional, you're whole yeah. at, all, at all times. So. Well, it's like weird things can influence other things. Like, I'm a big fan of game design and like <coughs> tabletop RPGs. But, like, Mm -hmm. they have a lot of overlap with, like, metaphysics and spirituality because fiction and faith have a lot of overlap for that sole purpose of if you can't define anything, you Mm -hmm. just need to find your own rules to define it. Yes, to that. Wait, was that... There was three parts, but I answered two. Uh, Hold on. I also... There we go. Um, Oh, yeah, where are you from? Where am I from? I'm from Houston, Texas. Very, very proud of it. Born and raised, third ward. Um, I feel like everybody you meet from Houston can be like, I'm from Houston. And I am that person. I love Houston. I th- I'm biased, and I think it's the best city in the world. Well, it's like anyone from Texas is proud of where they're from in Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I leave the U.S. or I leave even, like, Texas, I'm like, oh, I'm from Texas, sweetheart. Like, I'm very 
southern in that way or maybe country or it's something. It's wild how like Texas does that to you. Yeah. Even, like, my first year out of Texas, I show up to a wedding back in the Northeast and I start saying howdy. Mm. And I'm like, this is, I don't know, like, I say y'all and howdy. It's just part of my vernacular now. <laughs> Literally. Um, I will say that you just, it's, it's a being country or being like cowboy culture is like one of the, it's very austere. Like it's a very, most people around the world just like, it's weird. It's a, it's a diff, weird concept well, and to be a part of it is like really it, cool. It, it's a weird mentality to like a lot of folks who just want to work for themselves. That like yeah. Texas has this culture of like, I'm an individual and mm-hmm. I'm gonna do my own thing. Mm-hmm. When like, especially when I like coming from the Northeast, Pittsburgh, like New York, Boston, all these cities up there, I just see people who are driven to work for someone else. Hmm. While, like, I think Texas has a weird kind of vibe. Just, like, people are chilling. And, like, they're just happy doing their own thing. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I can see that. I also haven't spent enough time in the Northeast to be like, this is what I think it is. And, do you know what I'm saying? I fled the Northeast, so I have okay. negative opinions of it. Mm, 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 okay. <laughs> it is cold and crowded. And okay. everyone wants to work. <laughs> I mean, I love New York, but I wouldn't say much about Boston or Philly or anything like that. I see, know. I love Philly for a whole different reason. Why? It is a ratchet mess. Really? Philly is such a ratchet mess, and I love it. <laughs> I need to go. I, so, okay, parts of, like, my hobbies, I actually get called out to perform with different artists and stuff. And one of the artists that I was working with, his name is Raph Xavier. Mm-hmm. He's a b-boy. But he's, like, a contemporary b-boy where he brings elements of, like, not b-boyness. Um, and it, the it workshop was in Philly, and though it was, like, two weeks of Philly, and I was like, oh... Okay. Philly's a move. Respectfully. <laughs> respectfully, I get it. Like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things, too, where, like, I don't know. I find I find Boston and New York more similar to each other than, like, Philly. Philly's just got this, like, weird vibe in it that, I don't know, it's fun and it's ratchet. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that I was only inside of Philly. Like, again, like, every city, if you, like, leave the center, like, the, the I guess, like, the main part of the town... It doesn't really have the same cultural aspects. Like, Houston is like that as well. Like, the suburbs in Houston, different than Houston. But, I, I mean, I don't know well, how Philly works. Dallas but is very similar in that, where, like, I find Dallas, too, where, like, the city of Dallas and all the, like, satellite suburbs all have different, like, subcultures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. And for, uh, yeah, exactly. And for us, like, people from A-Leaf, which is a suburb, very proud of being from A-Leaf. Like, if you're, even if you're not in Texas, you're like, I'm from A-Leaf, Texas. Like, it's, they're still very proud of where they are. So that's why we don't include ourselves yeah. in the thing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Well, you, 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 you got to work your way up. You know, what suburb of Houston? Houston <laughs> right, what, what right, suburb? right. Right. <laughs> you know, we can all agree on being Texan at some point, because at least then we can say, fuck you, California. <laughs> <laughs> not you saying we're Texan. Like, you're not from the Northeast. <laughs> I, I have transplanted, and I love it here. Wait, so how long have you been here? Uh, I came here back in... 2021, I think, or 22. Okay, so a minute. It's been like three years now. Or 21, 21 was or two years ago. Two 22 years ago, was yeah. one year. Okay. I've just adjusted very quickly. Okay. I like the heat a lot more. But you've only done Austin, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I moved here sight unseen. Oh, really? I've never been here. Uh, my brother liked it, and I'm like, yeah, he seems to like it. I guess I'll move here, too. <laughs> really? So then you came by yourself or with your brother? With my dog. Oh, with your dog. Okay. No, I've got company. Hi, baby. And the plants came afterwards, or the plants didn't come from Pittsburgh. Okay. It's a bit too cold there for them. Thank you. I know you Can want you settle, Poppy, please? All right. Let's go on to the next question. What is your relationship with spirituality and faith, and what does it mean to you? 
um, my relationship with spirituality and faith. Um, it's interesting because I grew up Catholic. Um, the codification of Catholicism during the colonial era is very adamant. Like, it only took one generation to convert everybody, and the ones that the didn't... The and the Portuguese were pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, and you so... You or you don't. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, my spiritual practice has clearly evolved. I no longer ascribe to Christianity or Catholicism, mostly because I find it redundant, reductive to worship a man. Yeah. Um, that's well, not going to happen. Especially, like, I don't know, I find that... I'm, I love reading the Bible and I love reading about Jesus. Oh, I think but all theological like, books have something to tell you. I don't I don't enjoy people telling me that they're interpreting Jesus for me. Right. And so that's also my thing where I'm like I am objective and smart enough to discern what is true to me and what is not. And I think a lot of times faith is based on belief and I don't need to believe. I I be knowing. So I don't believe in the practice of in convincing myself yeah. that something is true when I know the truth. Um, like, there are things you can validate with your senses, like, and there are yeah. things you can even like, I don't know, intuition, gut feelings, like all these are still data points you can use to form an opinion. Yeah, and, just and, like believe me because I say so. And you don't, you don't only exist in this present self. Like you have infinite parallel selves that intersect, and that's your gut from the past, present, and future. So like those feelings and those emotions that we are taught to repress are actually informing us a lot more. Well, like, there's so many things you learn even as a child that, like, are relevant as an adult. Mm -hmm. Like, I... So so two people I work with, um, they have a soon-to-be one-year-old child. And, like, dude doesn't care when he falls over when he's walking. Like, dude has no shame. Like, Mm -hmm. kid's just trying. And, like, somehow adults forget how to do that. Yeah. Like, or even things like kids just always... Like, even the kids we teach, like, they're always willing to learn stuff. Like... And then as adults, we're just like, no, that's a bad thing to do. Like, you shouldn't be always learning. You shouldn't always be trying to do new things. Like, what, what's the word? Like, settle down, slow down. Like, all these different phrases to, like, not be authentic and just fit into a mold. It's interesting because I, I had this conversation with one of my really close friends, with Maria. Um, that Dr. it's really... <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Dr. Maria del Carmen. Actually, she graduated last spring. So she's officially a doctor Solid. now. Um so, Doctora Maria. <laughs> Doctora Maria del Carmen. And I was like, one of the things I need to do is always remind myself to take a step back and try to evaluate my blind spots. Um, because it's really hard. Well, being self-aware might not be that hard, but a step besides self-awareness Well, it's is, getting that like, third-party vision that like, yeah. it's hard to get from yourself. Yeah. So, I try to evaluate all the blind spots that I can have. And like, a lot of the times it's listening to things that I don't want to listen to. Like, I think one of the very simple examples is like even I don't really believe in politics I don't practice it but understanding what everybody's thinking about and how they're placing themselves makes me understand yeah. the whole picture or even just like how that affects your life even if you don't want to partake in it exactly exactly and it makes me decide no I really do or do not like what I'm doing here maybe I should change that maybe I'm not aware of what's going on but anyway back to what I was wanting to mention is like once I let go of like praising a man and believing in a man that was hypothetical to begin with. Well, potentially a midget who's from the Middle East. No, no, no. Jesus was black. Like, documentarily, he was black. Yeah. And he was, he rode a donkey. Yeah, no, he was a very real person, but I feel like the institutionalization of what he practiced. Well, that, we have historical documents, too, of, like, every couple generations, they find a new way to decide this is what the church is, and this is how we're going to control and I think that's not something that I ascribe to. I feel like I'm a woman and I don't need to do that. I don't believe in that. I am very, it was already very... Like, what, 5,000 years of history showing that? Like, you don't need to repeat it. Right. Like, I'm just like, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm good, good, good. Like, I think that women have this incredible power to create life. And I don't need to 
I don't need to listen to also, you. Also, we live in the 21st century. Like, I, I don't need go, to like, listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. need to depend on someone to get your bills paid or get your house or get a roof over your head. Like, we live in a world where... We live in a world where we can do everything, yeah. actually. And I think that's one thing that's happening to women as, as we speak is, like, we're realizing that, okay, maybe we, in the modern industrial complex, have adopted, like, the work, climb the corporate ladder lifestyle, like the from the blue collar work then, and like all that's, that stuff. That's an entire corporate propaganda. But you don't have to, like, exactly, but you don't have to do that. The cool thing is that you can marry into whatever you want to marry or into. you can do whatever you want. Like, Literally. There was, cause I, uh, so this is what I find so interesting as a software developer. Like, software was built by women during the World War II and World War One era. Listen to that again. Like, like, Grace Hopper was a fucking phenomenal, like, engineer. Exactly. And, you know, we, we basically, we won the war off of female software engineers and the minute that the war ended... And, but who did they make the movie off of? The men. Exactly. Uh, well, not only that, the minute the men came back from the war, they threw everyone who was a working woman in the factories or in back software home. jobs back home. Mm-hmm. And they had all these GI bills to basically let a certain group of veterans get better benefits. Mm-hmm. While the same people who didn't get those benefits now had no job and no benefits. Yeah, go back to what he said about the movie and how they made the movie about men and not women. So this is the thing that has been happening recursively throughout the colonial patriarchy, right? Um, And obviously, like, I only have this lifetime. I don't plan on coming back after this. So for me, it was like, I have to choose right now if I'm going to ascribe to this indoctrination or bear the brunt of the unknown. And I think that that's that's the fundamental basics of what I practice, which is called the Red Road. Um, the Red Road within the Native American tradition, indigenous tradition throughout the diaspora, as I've seen, is following these universal laws of creation, of reality, of physics, of metaphysics, um, to align ourselves to our highest being. And I think that that has been something that really liberates me, but also confuses the hell out of me. Oh, so in Hinduism, we have something similar called dharma which is roughly translated to duty, mm-hmm. but it basically encompasses all the different kinds of like, rules and regulations you can need to ordinate your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's nuanced. It leads into what career path you have, what you do for a living, like what your responsibilities are of your father, are your husband, do you, do you have responsibility to children. Um, but at the end of the day, it really just boils down to living the life of least harm. And whatever that comes down to is a personal thing because what is the least harm is subjective. Yeah. You don't always, like, from my opinion, like, me throwing a fit to get something to happen could be seen as unharmful. But from another person's perspective, it would be very harmful. And it's a matter of, like, trying to align all of those different, like... What's the, sorry, what's the difference between dharma and karma? Uh, karma is, is related to the cause of law and effect. So karma causes what we call sanskars, which are the effect of an, a, 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 an action and an intent. So, and for example... In your book, is that inevitable or is that a choice? Uh, karma is more so just a natural a impact of mm. action or thought. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I have a knife and I want to cut somebody open, my intent and my purpose could be very different depending on if I'm a murderer or a doctor. Interesting. If I'm a doctor and I'm trying to cut you open, that's my job and it's my duty. Like, I'm trying to save your life even if I could kill you. While if I'm, a, like, if I'm Jack the Ripper trying to cut you open, like, I'm not trying to save you. I'm trying to get my, like, get my off from whatever serial killers get from killing people. Like, it's the same situation, but two completely different circumstances because of the nuance of the intent and the thought. Okay. And so that yields... And dharma is doing the least harm. Uh, well, that's my interpretation, but in general, dharma is just the rough idea of duty. And, okay. like, the rules you follow to not, like, 
be too chaotic in this world? I think I, I think we conceptualize that as birthright. So the, I think it's both dharma and karma acting together that we interpret it as birthright. Mm. So within your birthright, you have the ability of choice, and you're born within specific family units that you chose as a spirit. You chose this family, you chose this body in this timeline. Um, but we specifically practice, like, you were born into this, now what are you going to do yeah. about it? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like you chose to be here, now what? Now what? Yeah. And so, like, that's actually one of the things that I find kind of funny about the programming of this reality is how people are like, well, I didn't ask to be here. Actually, you did. And that's one of the cool things about understanding how to be a creator, how to be a woman. is like you make the choice. You always have the choice of, like, understanding who you are and not understanding, um, which is, like, again, going back to the whole premise of, like, it would be impossible for me to to access these these realities if I was still indoctrinated within Catholicism. I'm not to say Catholicism is bad, no, per se. Fulfilling life through yeah. it. It's a great lens, but like it's Do not for you? Everyone. Yeah, it's of course not for everyone. It's not for the majority of our lineage. And we again back to like teaching the kids well, especially in your case going back to just being from from a indigenous culture, like it's it's a native or a non native culture thrust onto people who didn't want it. Yeah, yeah, and for the past 500 years, and we've existed for thousands of, hundreds of thousands of years, so it would be a disservice to myself and my lineage to not bewilder in the unknown. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think it's so terrifying, which is why people choose actively to, you know, practice the rules and repeat well, without... We in a world where, like, we're taught to not go into the unknown. Like, yeah. unknown scary, don't go near it. Well, like, yeah. I don't know, I, almost, I find it freeing to have the mentality of, like, I'm here. Mm. And, even, and even, like, even Frank's, like, even be like, you know what? I'm a terrible person. I, I just don't conceptualize myself as a good girl or a good person or a, or a savior. But it's you. But I'm the opposite. Like, uh, uh, this, uh, more so in the self-evaluation of, like, what is it like when I'm that person or that reality? If I make the worst choices, what do I do? If I, like, am disrespectful to you just out of spite, what does that bring out of me? Like, things that allow me to, I guess, for lack of a better term, I think they use the term shadow work. And they're like, what's the shadow work behind it? But to actually enact on the shadow work takes a lot of guts. And I think it's really the reason why it was so easy to adopt Christianity in one, in one generation was because you wouldn't have to think of the consequences well, of your you actions. Well, you get a book to tell you the consequences. Exactly. As opposed to having to learn it on your Evaluate own. it for yourself. Yeah. Because there's a very different perspective you get when like, you try to look through things through a lens you've built yourself versus one you've grown up with. Hmm. Like, like it's, it's, it's wild to me seeing, like, so, so in Hinduism, for example, I was brought up and raised being told that all of creation is just an extension of the same divinity. Therefore, everything is divine. But yet, when I see people who, who will tell me that in one breath, and the next breath, say the most racist or vile or misogynistic or all these terrible things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do you not see the cognitive dissonance here? Mm-hmm. But like it's one of those things where it's easier to have dissonance than it is to actually figure it out. Kind of. And I find like, well, because like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find parallels. Well, I'm not trying to find. I'm, I'm like, my gut's finding parallels of like the story of India too when the British came, colonized, and granted, within a generation, there was still, well, not, but within multiple generations, there's still a large indigenous culture, but it's being more, what's the word, driven by dogma, as opposed to, like, 
Oh, I see. Being freeform the way that, say, it culture <coughs> was two, three, four thousand years ago. Interesting. Okay. Like, I find that, like, like, like it, it, it's interesting how in one half of the world, like, they just decided to eliminate the culture and try to throw in Christianity. Yes. While on the other side, like, they tried and instead, like, it just bastardized the faith there already. I, I, I think it's a numbers game. And it goes back to the, the fundamentals of, like, patriarchal colonial capitalism and the modern matrix. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I use the word modern lightly because they don't know what, what modern is, really. Um, modern is just a phrase. It's a mood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's an encapsulation of time in the now at best, but it can be in the now in different places I mean, at the time. The now changes so much. Like, exactly. Five so, years ago, we didn't have the pandemic. <laughs> right. So, like, the modern is different than the modern tomorrow and the modern yesterday. Anyway... Um, what was I going to say? What was I on? Do you remember? Uh, something about numbers game and patriarchy. Oh, yeah. So what I was, every time that I have a question like that about like, uh, you know, how they transformed everything so quickly in the Emancipation Proclamation, is that it's a numbers game. So what you just said right now made me think of like, well, you have a lot more land and a lot more people. Yeah. So it's harder to infiltrate that kind of like, exactly. population, I'll say, in the Americas. And no, and, and like very easy in like Mexico and like Central America is probably like a third. Well, not just that. Like think about after Columbus came, like wiping out entire slaws of people. Like, Islands of people. What would have been, you know, entire populations were now down to the brink of like needing survival. And, yeah. Like, if the missionary is going to say, we'll give you food and shelter if you convert, like they're going to convert. Right, right. Yeah. And so I think that it's just a numbers game. It's like if the land mass was smaller... It would have been a different story. And that's what happened to us. Um, because, again, uh, Catholicism is only a tool for capitalistic use. Because, like, everybody Spain was... Spain didn't care what faith they were exactly. as, as they were making money. But if people... So, again, going back to the numbers game of, like, if you believe in one monotheistic thing that has the absolute power over your reality and your salvation, um, you're going to use that tactic to, like... Make sure everybody pays taxes to the church. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, it's what led to Europe in such a mess back in that era of like France <clears throat> had their own pope, mm-hmm. England separate from the like church or from from the Catholic Church. Like Portugal and Spain were still like vying for power to get influence. Like right. But yet, like all of them still recognize that this one power structure is the one means they can use to just collect money from everybody. Everybody, yeah. And that's that's what they replicated over and over again, and that's what we see today in like. Like a church every day. No, I would say in everything, hmm. even the bureaucracy of the corporate ladder is oh, like that. It's all a grift. Like, yeah, it's all an upward thing that like really doesn't exist because it's just ideas. Yeah. people's it, ideas. It, it's someone's arbitrary definition of what qualifies you for an L four or an L. Well, granted, it could be different at actual things, but like in most companies, like all these corporate nonsense titles are really just corporate nonsense. Like you can learn any of these skills within three months. Yeah. And yet, like, we make all these different barriers and arbitrary just, like, ladders to climb for yeah. no reason. Yeah. That's why I really like, like, te- I guess the tech industry is not perfect, but it's one of the industries that I like because it moves so fast that y'all can't even keep up with the, with the, I think I was telling you that earlier with, with Eli as well. Like, it's just moving so fast, y'all can't even codify it into, well, like. It, they're not afraid to try new things, <coughs> yeah. which, like, on one hand, is terrifying because, like, new things break very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side, like, you never really make progress without trying something new. Mm-hmm. Like what we've had, we, we we've had data science for the better part of thirty years, and we finally have some modern breakthrough with large language models for some useful application. But even then, like it's getting overhyped. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many other fields in technology like that. Like there's an entire field of uh, well in your space decentralized application and just like work. There's an entire field of like graphics and like 
uh, augmented reality that still is on the frontier of technology that isn't being touched yet. So like, I don't know, it's, it's interesting seeing companies try to adapt and like in that tech space just like find new innovative ways to like make this stuff work without having all these bureaucratic ladders. Because there's one thing everyone recognizes that the more bureaucracy you have, the slower things get. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a really good point that I, now it's like a race against time. I, I think about time a lot, like <laughs> a crazy amount of time, thinking about how time isn't really linear and how time is circular. And actually it's a double helix, kind of like DNA. Um, but yeah, now it's a race against time, which is interesting to watch them. I, I think I like started following Sam Altman because it's just a race against time. Like I also think about like whenever the social media, um, you know, low-key pandemic of like kids on online, they're not even, they're not competing against attention spans. They're competing against kids staying awake. Yeah, like... It's it, a competition about time. It, it, it's time and pocket change. Because like yeah. about the economies of like people staying on your app and people paying microtransactions. Mm. Like, I don't know, it's a model of like making technology that I no longer enjoy. Because, like, I don't know, I have a formal CS degree. Like, I learned by just making simple apps for classes and, like, doing that from a command line. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one thing to build something cool for the sake of building it cool. Right. It's another thing to build something that I'm trying to just steal people's time and energy for, like, useless tasks. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't need to have the next Candy Crush to keep you... The next like, Candy Crush. Next, like, like, Angry Bird. Like, all these stupid games. Like, sure, they're fun. <laughs> like, I've had fun time playing them, but, like... There's more meaningful work I can do with this skill set. Yeah. And I feel like that's where a lot of technology is now, too, where we have so much, like, trivial nonsense and, like, like technology that's really just useless commodities. Well, the biggest... But, well, I guess, okay, so it's time and your attention span, the yeah. human attention span, because that's what, really what you can capitalize off. Like, the agenda right now is to minimize your attention span as long as yeah. possible. Because it really... That's what I was thinking about, too, like... It is actually hard to sit down and go through a whole CS course. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, like, I, I, I enjoy sitting down and watching a three-hour documentary on anime. Okay. Most people don't. Okay, well, like, that's you. Most people <laughs> would be content just having a short 15-second clip every couple of seconds. Right. Because that's what like, we've been so conditioned to over the past like decade. Oh, this media. is a really cool plug-in on VS Code. It's called Runway Boy or whatever that game is. You know, when the little boy is running on the subway and then there's like coins and stuff. So it's a plug-in for VS Code, and then it's like a dopamine slow-releaser thing where like you just see the little boy running on the subway <laughs> on the side of everything as you code. But like if that regulates your dopamine, do what you got to do. Like, yeah, well, everyone has their own different ways. Yeah, yeah. Like for me, it's screaming on a computer when stuff doesn't work because like no, for me it's crying. No, yeah, like like nothing gives me a rush quite like like screaming for four hours at stuff not working and then getting it working. Okay, yeah. For me, it's crying and then coming back later. <laughs> like that that release of crying. I also don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Or maybe it doesn't even matter if it's good or bad. But, like, for me, I cry. I'm like, I can't figure it out. And then I go, I have a little snack. Maybe I walk the dog, and then I come back, and I'm like, oh, that was it. Or, and maybe even if I, sometimes, like, you know, you can't figure it out when you, once you have those moments. Like, I'll just change well, there's my... There's games where, like, I'll just come back the next day. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm getting nothing done today. Exactly, it's yeah. It's a tomorrow problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, even I'll do the most... I have to do something completely else that, like, lets that part of my brain relax so that I can release it and then like it, I'll be like I'll be doing the most random thing and be like oh, that was the problem Showers and those are like the are most go-to time for, like, yeah for those like, are the most satisfying like moments where you're like aha yes 
And I think the shower downloads are pretty interesting too. My showers are too productive. Like I leave showers with tasks. Mm. <laughs> like I have a notebook that I just write well, stuff down and after. Yeah, I, I mean, what I need to do. Menial labor gives you the ability to to not cognitive keep keep your cognitive. I think about CPUs a lot and how the CPU can not be so occupied for you to actually transform the idea. Um, that, that, I, I think that's where the, the downloads come from. So the same basic logic of like Einstein when he was working as a as a as a patent clerk. Because like he's just doing such menial work, so he could free up his better mental faculties to mm-hmm. work on the theory of relativity. Mm-hmm. I think I actually adopt that more rigorously. I mean, it's only why I love gardening and just like manual labor at home. Because like, yeah, I don't know. I live in a small apartment. Keeping it clean, like a task, not impossible. Like it's enough to like get that kick of like, okay, I've done something useful that's like productive, but also like with my body, so I can use my head now. Yeah. Um. That's a good ex- I need to start doing that. I think I need to put that more in my routine versus putting things that use my brain a lot all the time. Well, I think it's what makes it great for the kids who at the summer camp because, like, they get the break of, like, dancing and doing technical work. So, like, it's almost, like, I don't know. I find, like, I, I'm always moving. So, like, I need to either be out and exhaust that before I sit down and do work or just be working on my feet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I feel like working on your feet is not always great for debugging. Mm-hmm. Like... If I want to be creative, I'm on my feet. If I want to debug, I got to just be sitting down and screaming. no, no lights on, <laughs> like, like, crying a little bit. <laughs> like right. Maybe like 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 a pile of you know drinks on the side of <laughs> yeah, a little energy drink. Yeah, same. That's how I that's how I work too. I'm like, if I'm trying to figure out what why did it not run correctly and I am frustrated, I just have to be quiet for a minute. Yeah. And I find like to get to the quiet state, I just need to like tire myself out. So I'm just like, okay, everything else is slow. Let's just focus on this one thing. Mm. Yeah, like a little kid. Basically. Yeah, I feel like a little kid. And that's actually a really good point I mean, of the kids are, as well. Yeah, most people with ADHD are basically just adult kids. <laughs> yeah, well, I think everybody is a kid, actually. Fair. So I think that the, the self-regulation and how you're parented it really affects how you, how you mitigate yourself as you grow up and you try to get stuff done. I learned no self-mitigation or modulation, so it was a fun adulthood. <laughs> yeah, same here. Like, that's also one thing that I'm realizing now because... Okay, so I discovered that I am not going to beat the patriarchy in this lifetime and I'm going to maximize my potential by marrying into, like, a rich family because I discovered that I don't get paid enough. Dude, I also want to marry a rich. I'm trying to be a trophy husband. Oh, honey, me too. (laughs) Sweetheart, if you're listening to me, call me. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I just, I discovered that I don't get paid enough and I will never get paid enough. Why? Because I'm a Native American woman. And so because of that, I was like, oh, sweetheart, that's a wrap for me, like, I was so upset that now I'm like, you know what? I have to make sure that I am regulated so I can be there for other things. So now that I'm regulated and I'm thinking about like, well, what do I really want to do if, if money's not a thing? It's like so much space has opened for me. And I'm like, oh, I could do that thing. Oh, I could do that too. So like now I'm like the co-founder of like a DeFi app and all these different things that like are not pressured by time to maximize income. And it's a really, really, really nice space to be in. That's a nice, like, I don't know, it's, it, it, it's a level of creativity you can get when you don't have like deadline driven development yeah because there's nothing quite like I don't know I see it way too often in just my career of like we start a project and there's all this nice energy to get it going and mm-hmm. we're like we've got a good runway mm-hmm. and the runway is actually like three months shorter than we thought it'd be mm-hmm. and so now we're in this boat of like three months shorter <laughs> how much tech debt are we going to accrue to get this done because right. we're no longer building calmly and creatively we're scrambling Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you get a completely different product. Yeah, it just it sucks when I get to that point because you know you're not going to deliver correctly. Well, I know it's going to be shit. And yeah. like, I don't want, like, again, every software engineer to some degree is a little bit of a diva. 
and like <laughs> I don't feel good delivering shit. <laughs> right, right. I always, um, I always think that what I'm doing is great, even though I'm not. That might be like the, the flaw in me. Well, I feel like that's also why developers take code reviews so like personally. <laughs> yes, I'm like, what do you mean it's like, bad? My, my 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 very first code review at Seagrid, <laughs> I remember my 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 lead developer, wonderful guy. He's just very mean on code reviews. Um, but like it's he like basically ripped it apart. He's like, "What the fuck is this? Shit. Like, why would you name it? Like, I don't know what this variable means. Like, rename it. Yeah, like this should be a function. Like, why isn't this tested?" For <laughs> sure. Like, I have been humbled so many times, but I take the criticism so to heart, and I act on it so to heart that like the next thing that I create, I'm like, "This is I mean, a masterpiece." Useful. Like, I I've been naming my variables well. Like ever since then, I separate out functions. Like you learn. Yeah. Like I've I've. I, I thank that job for being as good at testing as I am now because we had to build our testing up from the ground up because we had none. <laughs> Wait, what was this at? The government thing? Uh, this was my uh, secret job um. uh, when we were um, basically reconfiguring our um, legacy application to work with UPS and a bunch of other clients mm-hmm. uh, in a way that wasn't just a giant Django monolith that kept breaking. Mm-hmm. So the original monolith had little to no tests. So when we were rebuilding it, me as the most junior developer was told, okay, you're going to write all the tests. <laughs> I hate when they make I me do that. I get pretty damn good at it. Like, I don't know. I feel like nowadays... Like, it's not my responsibility. Well, no, like, I, I, I love it. Like, oh, you, really? You don't learn a code base quite like writing tests for it. Mm. Um, I knew what everything did because I knew all the tests. Yeah. And the minute our, like... we So, so we... A, a lot of <clears throat> shitty things happened there. And our code quality slipped quite a bit, too. Um... No, she has two credit cards. This is so cute. Poppy has um, another one from... Oh, Poppy, you got a Costco credit card? She's an executive dog. Oh. Right, Poppy? Executive dog? It's cute, Mama. She's like, give me my credit card back. She's like, I want my treats. <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> I got distracted by the dog credit card. I did too. All right, let's go on to the next question. Okay. Uh, what currently gives you joy, and what do you do to maximize that joy? Right now, what gives me joy? What was the second part? And uh, what are the things you do to maximize that joy? Being with people that I love. Um, most of the time, I am very happy with who I am and who I am becoming. And like, even in the ugly parts, I'm like, oh, I look fabulous crying right now. Um, but what makes it better is when people come come around that I love. That's really what makes it better. That's about it, really. I keep my circle very tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever somebody in my circle is, like, not okay, I'm not okay. And we have to make sure that everybody's okay for the whole piece to move. Which is go, but going back to the whole premise of, like, the Red Road. is like decolonizing our spaces is essentially what, what, we, what I practice every day. And moving forward with my friends and the people that I love, my family... I don't really love my family, but the family that I do love, my lineages, I have a great time. Even with my, my ancestors, right, Poppy? We just be hanging out. I hang out with my ancestors all the time and we talk. We do a lot of candlelit conversations. And it just makes me really happy to be with people that I love. Like, that's just really all it is for me. If we're good, if they're good, I'm good. That good for you, Poppy? Huh? You're just chilling there now. I'm sorry, I know I grabbed your credit card. She's looking at me like, why did you grab my credit card if we're not going to play? Okay, I'm going to throw it this way. There you go. Yeah, she slides just a little bit. And- <laughs> so she's like walking off. There you go, Mama. 
Let's see. What about you? What brings you joy? I don't really know. Really? I'm just generally, I'm content. Okay. I get angry. But then I usually, like, I shout or I scream <laughs> fuck and then it's over. Okay. Or I get a grudge and then I just continue it. She's looking at me. I think I might... I put a body, body oil on. Probably what the bee was smelling. It was first the bee, now Poppy. Yeah. <laughs> For context, we got attacked by a bee earlier today. A wasp, honey, <laughs> a, wasp. a wasp. That was crazy. Anyway, sorry, what did you say? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm generally content. Like, I don't, I don't really feel like... Complacent or content or happy? I don't know if it's happy or just content. Like, I don't really feel peaks of joy. Like, You don't? No. I get rushed. I get those, like, tidal waves like, of joy. I used to get, like, really happy and really sad. Now it's just, like, life's life, and I move on. Oh, interesting. I don't know if that's being well-adjusted or just having too much trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> I feel like it's always a good, a good mixture of both. It's always both. <laughs> it's a good mixture of both. I also really like being... I don't want to say mellow, but, like, in the in-between states. Like, right now, I feel a little bit tired, but I'm not exhausted. I'm just in the flow of the thing. Do you find I tend to, like, go for whatever the opposite of the group is? Where, like, if we need a loud person, I'll just be the loud person. If everyone's loud, I'll be the quiet person. And I'm just happy, like, filling in the, like, gap that doesn't need to be there. You are the most cancer boy ever. <laughs> I also discovered that Rohan is a cancer, and I was cracking up. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Question five. What are some things you feel connected to or identify closely with? Um, feeling close to? Um, I, be- I think I, I feel close to concepts and nature. Um, mostly being out in nature makes me happy. And then I feel really close to the idea of nation building. Um, other than that, everything else kind of serves me. And I mean that in the most humble way possible. Like, everything serves me, and... And then it's a part of your life. Yeah. It's just a part of the reality of, 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 of my reality. Because it's cool because my mind can decide all of that. And that, that's the cool thing about identity, too, where, like, I can perceive myself as all of these things, and one day I can't. I don't. And so, like, ID is cool, but the space beyond ID is really interesting to me as well. I feel like identity has such a, like weird definition of part of it's how you see yourself part of it's how people see you part of it's just like what you are given that you don't really get to control yeah and i think the cool thing about here is the mental space about it and how your perception and your mind controls everything like you i have no idea if you're real or not but i'm sometimes i choose to believe it sometimes i don't depending I don't on what i need to know either like yeah <laughs> i know and i really could be like maybe i mean i have I've had a lot of moments recently where like i dream about things and then it happens in my reality. I think it's called clairvoyancy. But it's not like direct clairvoyancy, but it's like unlinear clairvoyancy. When I'll see something, I'll dream it. And sometimes I'll do something in my dream and I forget that I didn't do it in my reality. So that's fun. Yeah, I just imagine doing things when I'm awake. Yeah. I realize I never did them. Like- yeah, I'm like, wait. Because I remember I've been moving a lot between Houston and Austin. So I, w- I would dream that I pack my bag. <laughs> And I just leave it. And I never packed my bag. And now I'm in Houston in this reality, alive, awake, and I don't have my bag. So I'm like, Jesus, holy. Um, So then, yeah, that's kind of how it is. But the space beyond identity is really fun to explore. Um, That's, I think, my freest form. What about you? My dog. 
Okay, what was the question? What am I attached to? Your dog? No, no, what, what, what do I identify with? My dog. Your dog? Yeah. Okay. Like, I don't know. She's like... Oh my god, I was going really meta and this man said my dog. No, like, I don't know, I feel like my life just revolves around her. And like, that's good enough. <laughs> what do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Like, if it wasn't Poppy, then what? Not really sure. Like, I don't know, I, I made the choice to bring her here. So like, Interesting. I have to take care of her. Mm-hmm. And now she's just a spoiled little puppy who controls my life. <laughs> I see. When like it- my plants, my plants control my life. Because like, I brought them here. They're either going to die in the sun or I got to water them. <laughs> god. Okay. I don't know. I I identify the things that like I take responsibility with. Okay, so your birthrights that you choose. I guess. Like, when I'm working, <laughs> I identify with my work, but like even then, it's I don't care for my employers usually. Like I don't care for my employers. It's like, funny. Like they pay me, and like I like their work, but like end of the day, it's their product, not mine. That's interesting. Because I always, like, I think coding is, like, a universal skill that everybody on this planet should know. Well, it's one of those things where I, I consider it more of an art than, like, a technical skill set. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, software is built bespoke, no matter how you want to, like, cut and dice it. Like, we have all these serverless technologies, we have all these libraries to make it so you never have to write a single line of code. <laughs> but end of the day, like... You still need to write a piece of code, You still code, got to sweetheart. figure something, you still got to do something. And, yeah. like, the creativity to conjoin all these pieces is a piece of creativity. Like, you don't learn how to configure networks and like patch together services in college like you learn it from doing projects and seeing how it's done like and what the use cases are yes let's see I think we covered the other two questions in prior questions so let's go to question eight what do you think is necessary for one to grow for one to grow just keep going just keep going or like like fighting Nemo when that girl goes like just keep swimming Dory. swimming yeah <laughs> just go just go and I think some people like emphasize on the healing <coughs> healing is cool but I think right now we have like this craving for things to be solid to belong to have an identity to do all these things but again I go back to the unknown is for it's out for me so I feel like we live in a world where like I don't know nothing's really that concrete anymore and, like, and we crave concreteness yeah, we crave so just, bad. like, something that, that's, like, tactile, something that you know is a guarantee. Sorry, can I move this? Go ahead. Okay, because the position is kind of... Okay, go ahead. But yeah, basically, like, like we live in such a, like, a non-deterministic world where nothing's guaranteed that, like, we used to think was. Mm-hmm. That, like, I don't know, just having, like, something consistent that's, like, tactile? How so? What do you mean? So, so like, for example, like, 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 like grid and perseverance, like... Can I grab this? Yeah, go ahead. Um, you never quite know, like, how, how it's going to pan out, but at least it's a consistency of knowing that, like, I can just keep pushing at this yeah. and something will happen eventually. Yeah. Which is, like, that tactility as opposed to just, like, I don't know what's going to happen from, like, me going to this job or me going to school or me doing whatever else. Yes. Um, and I will say that, again, knowing how to parent yourself is a big one there. Because sometimes, like you're saying, you're an extremist. Same. But... The older that I get, which I get why people say that getting older is a blessing, the older that I get, the more I'm like, it's my responsibility to not be an extremist and be real and just keep it pushing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, kind of. Like, it's one of those things of just know what's, like, you could have all these things you want that are at the extremes, but go for what's practical and just keep pushing at it. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why I've, I've made it this far as a dev because I, f- I feel lost a lot, at least in the crypto space. I feel really lost, but we're just going to keep it pushing. We're just going to keep it pushing, and I'll figure it out as I no, go. I feel like that's just software in general. We're like, yeah. projects have been on where we're like, we don't know how we're, we we're going to build this, but like, we're going to build it. We're going to build it. It'll happen. Like sales promised, so we have to get it done or I don't get paid. <laughs> my manager on my ass, we have to do it. Um, yeah, so I think keep it pushing. Just keep it pushing. And I think that when we hurt other people, it's important to backtrack for the sake of others and also yourself because it teaches you to backtrack on yourself and care for yourself. It's another conversation that I had with my friends recently. Yeah, I'm always on for a fight, so I can't really relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> say what? What do you say? I'm always on for a fight, so I can't relate to that. <laughs> like physical fight or? Argument, physical, like. Oh, any fight. Okay. So you can catch me outside. I like, confrontational. like I don't know. It's fun. Like, you don't always have to be confrontational, but when you can be, it's fun. I have a hard time. I used to have a hard time being perceived as, like, a mean person. But lately... I've been very bitchy, and I don't care. Um, simply because I think people need to see that, that people are bitching. Like, I'm, people like me are bitching, and I think that that's like, an important part of, at least in the spaces that I'm in, it's an important part for me to not be so nice all the time. Well, for me, that's kind of a tour. Like, I don't want to be one-dimensional. Like, I've got real feelings. I've got real emotions. And, like, if you're going to piss me off, I'm not going to just pretend I'm not pissed off. Right. Like, I'm either going to try to non-violently tell you if that's an option or just get in your face. Hmm. Like, it's a judgment call. Based Wait, so on how do you deal with conflict? Depends on what kind of conflict it is. Like mm, Level two. Level two of five. Well, like, ideally, I use my words to de-escalate. Okay. Like, that's always a preferred way because, like, I don't know, I get... I enjoy being clever and I enjoy just, like, talking my way out of situations. But at the same time, there's situations you can't talk your way out of. At that point, you either get loud, or you have to get confrontational. Would you ever catch people outside? Nope. <gasps> really? You never fight? I don't, I don't like getting confrontational. I just, I'm always down for it. Oh, okay. Have you ever fought anybody? Not in recent memory. What makes you feel the most proud of yourself? Nothing. Well, when was the last time you felt really proud of yourself? Never. Really? Do you feel the need to? Not really. Like... I never grew up being told I was, like, a pride or any accomplishment. So, like, as an adult, I don't value it. You don't value being proud of yourself? I don't value accomplishments or any feeling of, like, pride. Of achievement, or, maybe? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't value achievement. Interesting. I... Like, I was, just ex- I was expected to be exceptional despite, like, not getting support for it. So, at that point, I'm just like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll never measure up to what child me wanted to be. What did child you want me to be? My parents wanted me to be. Like, the ideal Indian kid who's good at sports, you know, the doctor who has all these social <laughs> reputation points. Yeah. And, like, you know, can sing and dance and speak all these languages and is well coherent but never talks back to his parents. Oh, sweetheart. And I'm like, I'm not that, but, like, I'm a damn hell impressive person. So, like... Impressive to you? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think I've done enough in life that I can talk proudly of what I've done. Like, well, not proudly, but at least I can... I can stand on my own two feet. Like, I don't feel unconfident. Do you feel okay with dying? I have no fear of death. Lovely. Like, I can that's, that's, that's also, like, something that I... I just find funny that people don't... Well, first of all, I don't know if I... I might have messed up. I don't know. 
I was telling, so we had a squirrel die, you remember? Yeah, we had a whole funeral for the squirrel. Oh, yeah, you were there. Like, like, these kids are so emotional. And they're like, death is so sad. It's like, but you're going to die anyway. And I, I think when I said that, I just, it was unfiltered moments. I was just hot. I was in the middle. I was like, you're going to die anyway. Let's go. But and I, I think like the, the pandemic did a big number to a lot yeah, of us. Yeah, like, I was going to say, I shouldn't have Indian, said that. Like, people were dying. Like, I got phone calls from my parents. I'm like, oh, such and such people we know died. Aww. And, like, on a weekly basis. And I'm like, at this point, yeah, like, same. I've normalized death so much that, like, I don't flinch to it anymore. It's kind of sad. But at the same time, I feel like it's almost natural where, like, I'm a, yeah, it's like, a natural part of life. Like, I love Poppy, but she's going to die one day. And, yeah, like, I she'll think... die before me, likely. Oh, well. And, I like, that's, just, that's a part of life. Respectfully, Poppy, I hope so. But, um, what I was going to say is that, um, being very okay with death is also what gives me a lot of peace. Um, the end of cycles, regeneration and stuff. Being okay with death has made me really happy. Um, well, I find it also just, I can plan my days better. Because, like, <laughs> I know, like, if I were to die tomorrow, what it needs to be done? It is what it is, right, right, right. And, like, certain, like, I can let my dishes sit in the sink. Like, they can be done tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Like, worst case, if I die at night, somewhere I will see my dog, like, moaning that, you know, dad's not walking her and a sink full of dirty dishes. Like, Poppy will be taken care of. My dishes will eventually get taken care of. Like, somebody will, will move, clean them out. Somebody will move my body out, too. Like. And not me, somebody else. <laughs> That's funny. That's real funny. But, like, at the same time, like, if I'm trying to have a conversation with someone, like... <laughs> You don't know if that person or you'll be around tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. so if it's an important conversation, have it quickly. Yeah. You're right. I'm also like, just thinking about some things that I have going on that I'm like, oh, I need to take care of that. You're right. <laughs> it makes prioritizing so much easier. It's like, okay, now I know, like, if tomorrow's my last day, this needs to get done. This can be done, you know, if day after tomorrow's my last day. <laughs> <laughs> I just need one more week and I'm doing all my chores. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, what's the, this needs to be done if I die next week. This needs to be done if I die next month. <laughs> I got a timeline for my death. I have all these deaths that I'm planning that I need some time. Like, in case I die next week, this is what needs to be done. In case if I die next year, here's all the things that need to be done in the year. Could be a fun, like, scheduling app or planning app. Yeah, I think right now I'm just in appreciation. And I think it's like a constant appreciation for everything in existence I would say it's pretty cool like if you think about the simulation well it's like I don't know I never if you would have told me when I was 14 in high school that I'd be sitting in Austin like in a sub 700 or a sub 700 square foot like one bedroom apartment trying to record podcasts and make music like I would have laughed at you mm-hmm. I would have thought I'd be a doctor at this point or at least like on my way to being some exceptional you know good brown kid Oh no! And in reality, like life's full of surprises and opportunities, and like just need to like life's life, accept it. Yeah, it's also like um, some, I I because right now my parents are right now I think my parents are living through me, and I think they want me to do things, of course, that I don't really care for doing. Like I don't know, it's just <coughs> excuse me, really self-reflective. Like of I feel so happy. Like, I learned how to code online, and I've traveled the world because I learned this thing for free. What? Like, this is crazy, y'all. Like, do y'all not see how crazy this is, and y'all still want me to do more stuff? Like, I think, not being complacent, but just, like, really really satisfied. That that satisfied the word, yeah. Really satisfied with the approach that I'm doing, 
And I think devs get that. Like, I'm just really happy. Like, we can really create stuff out of nothing. Well, like, that's the beauty of it. Like, like you can... There is, there is no, like, overhead to worry about most of the time beyond your laptop to just get an idea off the ground. Yeah. Like, sure, if you want to get a production, there's all these other variables to deal with. But, like, just a raw creativity, like, you just need your laptop. And yeah. I literally just need a stable internet connection. And I think that lifestyle is something that I really, 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 really like. Like, I just need, I just need stable internet, honey. I don't need to go into an office. So I feel like it, 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 it makes it easier to live with less. Because, like, you realize your work doesn't need a whole lot. Like, I'm better with monitors. I'm better with, you know, my full setup. But I don't need it. What else is next in these questions? Let's see. Do you have any meditative or reflective practices? Dance. Dance and dance mashika. And mostly kinesthetic prayer. Hmm. Uh, so like even like Pilates, yoga, working out, dancing, ballet. A kinesthetic prayer is my main form of meditation. A lot of just being conscious of your body and its movements, right? Yeah. Okay. Because I think holding space is... Because right now, the only thing that matters is the present. Yeah. And the most enticing part of the present is the kinesthetics of it. Well, that's... So, so, and so in Hinduism, Hatha yoga, or as we call it in the West, yoga, um, is built around that idea because, like... Granted, modern-day yoga is a whole different story, but, like, <laughs> scripturally... That's not even it's, a story, it, it, sweetheart. It's written such that, like, like it... You're holding these postures because you need to be conscious of every you know muscle in it. It's a meditative form. Like mm-hmm. when you're in these weird positions, like blood's flowing, be conscious of it. You know, oxygen's growing as you're breathing. Be conscious of it. Like yeah, all these things that like, even if you're not looking at some like divine deity or have some prayer or whatever else, like yeah. you're being present. You're slowing yourself down and you're being aware, which is really what like prayer, meditator, all these words are. It's just yeah, bringing you to the present. Yeah. And I think it's so hard to encapsulate that. And kinesthetic prayer does that so enormously. Like, and whenever my approach from working out shifted from losing weight to being intentional with my body and realizing I actually chose this, like I chose to take up space, I chose to be here, I am aging, I am creating life, like all these really cool aspects that are a part of being a body. Um, it's probably one of the highest forms of prayer because I, I, my divinity is that honorable. And so now transitioning between those, I think most women go through this whenever they grow up, they want to be skinny or whatever, but transitioning between it's like, wanting, well, I just want to be big and like, I don't yeah. know if they're like taking creatine and I used to have big arms. Oh, okay. And then creatine. I'm like, what's the point of this? Like, for what? For who? <laughs> I'm a 23, like I'm the 23 year old guy who was a bit too big for myself. Like, who am I impressing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think ever since I transitioned through that, like, kinesthetic prayer isn't everything in everyday life even how i drive i think about driving a lot and how like i'm moving my body in this vehicle is insane like i'm i don't i can't i'm fascinated the trains, driving terrifies me so i can't even think about that oh but trains like, fast airplanes oh. that's a portal that's a that's a vagina i i i hate all forms of transport solely because like all of them have too many problematic things around them like i like flying i just hate airports I love trains. I just hate American trains. I like driving. I just hate traffic. <laughs> it's fascinating. I'm just content walking and biking everywhere. But, like, your body can do that. That's what's always going to fascinate me. Your body can do that. And you are created 
by the entire you, like you're created by the entirety of the universe do you know what I'm saying the minerals that exist in a plant exist in your body yeah, I mean the same atoms we have in my toenail are the same atoms we have like in all of space it's just, it's just like I'm a star I'm, I'm, a, I'm a star and I think that's something that is really cool like I know what it feels like to be a star I also know what it feels like to be a black hole do you know what I'm saying like all these different parts that kinesthetic prayer gives me access to that's it. Solid. Let's see what next. Uh, Wait, what about you? I like asking you. What about you? I don't know. I've had a lot of meditative practices over the years, like formal meditations like pranayama, like organized breathing or like staring at candles and like trying to visualize it or like reflective practices in mirrors or like... Well, yeah, yeah I guess it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for me, when I do firework, it's mostly for binding or unbinding practices they're not for meditation for me it's all these like just different practices of like for example pratak sadhana which is staring at a candle is really just a form of meditation to get yourself focusing on a single point for a long period of time and visualizing it right here so that like you're constantly trying to see that like image of either a flame when your eyes are open or closed um, or the same way like there's this meditative practice called durban sadhana that I've done for years where you're looking at a mirror and just talking to yourself and essentially you can't lie to yourself so eventually you're going to tell all your dirty secrets to it. And you're going to feel really bad about it. But then you realize that, oh, I'm actually like, this is normal. Like, everyone does this. Everyone's a shitty person. Like, I that, can... Isn't that so liberating? Oh, I just... I love that. Like, the like the concept of me, yeah, I lie to myself. So what? I'm going to work on it. Like, yeah, well, like, that's the whole point. Like, you can get better. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm a shitty person, but, like, and I'm trying so, to be better. <laughs> I'm so fascinated by the infant... Like, you can always outperform yourself. You can always evolve. You can always do better. You can always morph into something else. That is what also just... It's, it's really great because it makes me want to come back to Earth. It's also one of those things of, like, you realize that you can really do anything. Mm -hmm. Like, the only limit is really, like... I mean, sure, there's economic and political barriers to things, too. Those but, like, just made up in, your in general, like, you can do most things. You can do anything. Like, that's what I realized, too. Like, I can actually do anything, like, with my whole chest. And if somebody's going to stop me, they can try. But it will happen. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, stuff like that that, like, has really hmm. set the tone for me. Like, like the bulldozer lifestyle. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. I don't know how, but I will. Um, or, as, as, as is more eloquently told, the elephant lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Just stomping on I hell. prefer bulldozer. It seems more Texan. Bulldozer? Like, we got construction everywhere here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cranes in the sky. Austin's I always I growing. Saying. I had a point to what I was saying before. I might as well should have not said that then, maybe. Let's see. What other questions do we have? Ah. Wait, what was my question? Um, meditative practices. Okay, yeah, you were the fire thing. Okay, okay. Well, just cool. a bunch of different meditations I've learned over the years that, like, I've practiced for a bit, done them, and then... My ADHD kicks in and I go to the next... Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny to me. Like, it, it's why I'm so well-read and so well-versed. Like, I just... I'll I learned this. one thing. I'll do that. I'll like, do this. I had a whole deep dive into Buddhism and Taoism and Confucianism and Islam and, like, the Old Testament and New Testament just because I'm like, I've read enough of my scriptures that I got bored of it. I'm like, what else is there? <laughs> <laughs> I spoke of, like, real ADHD, man. I got it. I read the Bhagavad Gita, like, a 10, 12 times now. Like... 
I can read, read it for the 13th. Stuff. But like, you should read some of our stuff. I'm gonna say, I'm I gonna love reading stuff. Like, literature. feel free to share, share stuff along because, like, I don't know. It's I enjoy my like, you know, three hour long like discussions on anime and other weird niche topics on YouTube that I love listening to. But like, I can read much faster. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the same reason why like I I, I will listen to the like uh, a podcast recap of an anime as opposed to watching it on 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 like live stream solely because I can read the manga much faster. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, but then your ADHD brain shuts that off and then the next thing happens? I mean, well, then I just find a new anime to watch or a new thing to read or okay. a new, like, new hobby to pick up. <laughs> Am I too far away if I'm like this? No, it picks up anywhere. Okay, perfect. Like, I, I invested in solid mics where now that I'm actually recording in stereo and not just mm. through a single output, both are getting picked up. Oh, perfect. Because okay. my first several episodes, I had both coming in, but only one recording. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. So you couldn't hear most of my guests. Yeah, no, just people from around the neighborhood. Like, I had the owner of the smoke shop, Tarek, a guy named Will who lives down the street, um, my partner for the studio, Renee, um, another guy who works at the studio, Adrian, uh, one of my neighbors, um, Frank. Cool. Trying to just go for like people telling stories, talking about their lives. Mm-hmm. Get the native Austin vibe. Yeah, that's a good way to do that, actually. Well, because like, the there's so many people. stories that just don't get told that are interesting. Like, People have a lot of interesting things to say, and, like, really, a half hour on a podcast or, like, ten minutes on a podcast, however long it, like, takes to get some interesting things out, is, like, <coughs> yeah. I don't know, a good way to just get that story out of the internet and just, like, encapsulate it somehow. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know, YouTube's, like, I've been on YouTube since I was literally, like, nine years old. How long was that ago? Almost 20 years. I thought you were... 30. 28. You're 28? Yep. I thought you were 33. Who's 33? Eli. Oh, okay. There we go. There we go. The math, just math for me in my brain. Yes. He also looks older because he keeps a beard while I shave mine regularly now so I can look a couple years younger. Okay. <laughs> okay, continue. I've learned in my early 20s, beauty, men want to look older. And now when I've crossed 25, I'm like, I don't want to look old anymore. <laughs> I want to look younger. <laughs> I, I, I think that like... Actually, I don't know y'all's problems. I think hair loss is a problem for y'all or something. I don't know. Well, that's a that's a bigger problem with this economy and stress. Like, oh, okay, okay. I was losing hair for the longest time. Oh, no. Why? And now, like, ever since my work's been less stressful, like, it's slowly coming back. Yeah, your curls are nice. I've got phenomenal curls. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next question. Like, they, are, they are my defining feature. That's the one thing. <laughs> I mean, you could spot me from my with just my curls. Oh, same, same. Uh, there comes that stuck up, like, let's yes. See. What do you have in common with those around you and in your communities? I think... I, I was talking about this in the circle today, at the closing circle. So for context, we had our graduation for Aztec Kids Code today? Yes, we did. And we had a closing circle at the end, and... I think, again, what's really cool about the human experience is that... And I think all of reality, eh, within this dimension, is bound by the same limiting parameters... So, like, our problem from getting point A to point B will always exist and has always existed. Um, so I think sharing the universal laws with people is really cool and seeing how they apply them, even if they don't know it. Like, those universal laws of whatever, it's really cool to see that. Because people move in space in different ways. Some of them realize and some of them don't. But we always solve the problem in different ways but uh, we, the solution is different but the outcome is the same 
So it's nice to see that. And even like watching children do that, it's nice to see that. That's all. It's I, a, I, I feel like an interesting way to like phrase that would be like living with intent versus living on like autopilot. Yeah, Obser- observing. Yeah. yeah, observing is a big one. And like, and like, I don't know, living intentionally is one of those things that like, when you can start doing that, it just makes your daily interactions so much more meaningful with people. Yeah. Because now you want to talk to them. You want to be there with them. Like, you're not just there because you're there. Yeah. I oscillate sometimes. Um, I oscillate because I, I sedate myself sometimes. Because it's a lot for me. It's a lot to bear. Uh, to know what you go- or you're going through. Or to be able to put myself in that position is actually very difficult for me. So I kind of practice this escapism where I'm like, okay, that was enough for today. And I just log out. I dissociate. <laughs> Maybe that's what it's called. <laughs> um, so dissociating by choice has really helped me as well. And being intentional in the moment is great. But again, it goes back to my mind. I have the ability to do anything. And I can... But also, that's like such a big thing you hit of like be, knowing when to log out. And just Ooh. like be like, okay, this is enough for the day. Like, I'm going to unplug. Time to yeah. take a break. Yeah, so I think sedating myself is... I mean, I guess it's not ideal... But it's necessary for me, cause I, I've, I haven't seen a lot, but I can understand everybody. Or I don't even know if I have seen a lot, but I can, I can, like you can understand what I'm saying. I can understand what anybody else is saying, and I feel it, and that's why I have to dissociate sometimes, cause it's hard. Well, like, I don't know. I feel like especially when you want to like be involved with people's like problems and lives, like you're also carrying that emotional brunt. Yeah. And like it, like things pile up, like. People's, like, I don't know, my life's difficult and people's lives are difficult, too. Like, I talk about my problems and talk about, you know, then I have Eli talking about his problems. And I'm just like, okay, like, we're all in shitty situations. Like, <laughs> Just laughing because I was asking you if you were... I was like, are you rich? <laughs> what are you talking about, Juan? Anyway, sorry, just thinking about your problems. But, like, because like, I think when I met you, I was in the head... I was in, like, our... In our context... And for some reason, I didn't put those two dots together. I was like, oh, this is a different world. Okay. Sorry. I yeah, it's a different set that. of problems. But like, <coughs> it's, it's one of those things world, of, like, yeah. problems are so subjective that, like, mm-hmm. they vary from person to person. Like, I've mm-hmm. got cousins on Wall Street who make millions of dollars. And, like, That's their problems are so different from mine, but they're still problems. One of my, one of my techniques to, to do what I, whatever I want to do is that I look for those problems. So I don't want to have the, the set of problems now. I want to have a different set of problems. And that really helps me uh, midi- or really shift my performance to have those sets of problems now. I started going to this high-end gym. I used to go to LA Fitness. You mean I, La Fitness? Oh, <laughs> yes, La Fitness. I used to go there. And then a couple months ago, I switched to Lifetime. So now my problem is I can't look dusty at the gym versus I don't want to go to the gym. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it's just looking for a different set of problems really helps me change my performance for a different outcome. That's all. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like buying the expensive thing so like you're incentivized to use it more often because you've already invested in it. Yeah. And I think it goes back to the, again, the shift of my physical practice though of like me going to the gym is not a chore. It's actually a devotion. Yeah. Um, well, it's like, it's like me walking poppy. Like, it's not a chore for me. Like, I enjoy the process of, like, getting up at whatever hour, even though it's way too early, and, like, walking my dog for two miles. Baby girl puppy. And, like, most of the time, I'm just raw-dogging my life. Like, I don't <laughs> have headphones on. I'm just, like, 
enjoying nature and walking my dog. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, it's a, it's a fun, relaxing experience that, like, you don't need music for it. You don't need anything else for it. You can just enjoy the process and go back. I'm talking life. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're enjoying the process. <laughs> it's like, it, it took the people who go on airplanes and don't have any headphones. Like, yeah. just enjoy it. Like, you're there for a couple hours. Like, you'll hear some interesting conversations around you. Take yeah. a nap. <laughs> <laughs> it also helps me, uh, like, listening to non- non like, not thought stimulating, but non- I guess curated stuff that I play to myself makes me really like relate to the surrounding. So that's a that's a big one for me that I've had to be intentional about like take your headphones off. Pay attention. It's why I like library so much, just cause like it's enough just like background noise <clears throat> that I'm like, okay, like things are happening. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. I'm somewhere. Yeah. But I also like I can't cause a scene because everyone else is here too and they are also here for a reason. I went, okay, not to plug Paris again, but I went to Paris, obviously. Great city. And, um, have you been? I've been as a child twice. Lovely. Okay, so you know. Anyway, I went to this library. Okay, first of all, the reason that Paris is so fabulous is because everything is aesthetic. And I mean that in the most respectful way possible because they value aesthetics. And the cool thing about aesthetics is that it pulls you into the present, which is something that I think I knew, but I never realized. Um, and so I was in this library and I did the same take off your headphones being what you are right now because you're in Paris in a library that's like enormous and beautiful and then I realized I was like I think that's why I I think that's why I value traveling so much because I think that if I don't plug myself into a different whatever reality timeline I wouldn't know what else is out there which goes back to my premise of like zooming out and evaluating my blind spots Um, So again, everything, like I was saying at the very beginning, everything is interwoven. Like, there is never one thing that is not as important as the other for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Let's see. How many questions we have left in our... How long have we been going? (laughs) I don't know. Oh, we're at the last one. What's your elevator pitch on yourself? My elevator pitch. So online, I'm known as the Aztec princess. I have a TikTok and I'm the Aztec princess, and that's kind of the punchline, where I, like, perform as a princess within, the, within this id of art and tech. And yeah, that's my punchline. I'm the Aztec princess. What Quite is yours? Eccentric. Okay. Short, sweet. Eccentric. <laughs> Engineer. Very concise. He said dev, period. <laughs> I make stuff. <laughs> Oh, my computer. Yeah, so yeah, I feel that too. Well, com- my computer around the apartment, like, I built this desk. With your hands? Yeah. Okay. Wait, it goes up and down. Yeah, I got a set of mechanical legs, built everything in together, did some wire management, like, built the PC, did all this, did all the, like, design of my bedroom. Okay. I've learned that... He's handy. Basically, my rule is anytime something bad happens in life, like I get fired from a job or I go through a breakup or whatever else, like I just rearrange my apartment. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, that's the whole premise of feng shui anyway. Yeah. And like I've done that so often in my life that like I'm just very good at rearranging and building things. (laughs) Oh my God. Eccentric. Okay. Yeah. Let me hit 